0: Welcome to the Harvest Center. Harvest Center. The Harvest Center. The
1: Harvest Center. The Harvest Center. The Harvest Center.
2: The Harvest Center.
1: The Harvest Center.
2: The Harvest Center. The Harvest Center. The Harvest Center. Welcome to
1: the
0: Harvest Center. We're glad you're here today. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you in church today. I hope you're all doing well. I hope your, your heart is in a good place today, ready to receive something from God. Psalm 122 says, I rejoice with, with those who say, let us go into the house of the Lord. What's your attitude today? Is there is joy in your heart because you're here worshiping God? Or it was like, oh, today's Sunday. We go to church because it's Sunday. Is your heart rejoicing because you are in the house of the Lord today? Amen. What a wonderful thing, church. We can actually boldly approach the throne of God without any blame. And you know why we can do that? Because Christ has given His life for us. Why don't we give a round of applause to our Lord Jesus. Let's praise Him because He is good. He has good plans for our life. And we can boldly approach His presence because of what He has done for us. Amen? Amen. I want to say something, you know. When it comes to, you know, when I was speaking about the importance for the, for the children to see, you know, Sunday we go to church. And the, the reason why it's important is because, you know, they understand that, okay, if we, when, when a parent set a clear boundary, they understand there is a reason for that, something important. And I want to encourage all the parents here and those who are listening to learn how to establish clear boundaries with your children. Because you know better, you know, supposedly, of, of what they know. And, uh, you know, we live in a world where they say, we say, you know, children needs to be affirmed. I'm kind of growing scary of this word whenever I hear it. Children needs to be affirmed when they do good things. And when their things that are worthy to be praised, we need to be affirmed. But they need as well to see clear boundaries when, when you know, they need to maybe something they cannot grasp completely but they will understand the boundaries. I couldn't understand why my parents, every Sunday was church day. I couldn't understand why. It was like, okay, there must be something important on, um, about going to church. And, and the boundary that I set, you know, in our family, that was actually what brought me to consider the greatness of God. So do not be afraid, you know, to establish boundaries. You know, the children will do what they see. So if you want your boys to grow up and to become one day a man who will love, and, you know, a woman that will get together and get married, and then you've you got to love your wife. They will see how you treat your wife. They will be treating their wives. And, and if you've got girls that will grow, you know, want, you want them to grow, up, to grow up and to be, you know, accomplished in life and in, in family as well, you know, in, in, within the family, teach them, show them as well how, you know, uh, you know how... Uh, You relate with your husband the way how you speak to him because the children look at what we do at home They look at the boundaries They look at the behavior of the parents and they understand, you know, what is important? What is not important? They will replicate what what they see around them. So I want to encourage all the parents here I know sometimes it's difficult uh, Because it seems that you know you try to explain something maybe not always the children are able to understand You know why I cannot I cannot watch that? Why is it wrong to spend, you know, you know, three hours doing something, you know? And sometimes it's difficult to explain, but still, you know, the the boundaries should stand, should should stay in place, yeah. Just you know, learn how to, you know, direct the children, your children, the way the Bible says, you know, to show the way that, you know, they, you, you know, to show the God's way to your children, they will not, you know, depart from it. Um, so just want to encourage all of you, you know, uh, as you, parenting is not easy. But, you know, we've got a great task, another honorable task that God has given us. Uh, sorry, I'm all into parenting, maybe because I've seen my parents this week. So it just brought me back so many memories. But hey, all, encouraging. I
2: really feel like God is calling us to believe this morning. You know, I don't know what you're facing, but... God is calling us to believe. I'm re- reminded of the story in the Bible of the 12 spies, and you might not know the story, but uh, when the people of Israel, when they left the slavery, for a little while they walked through the desert, and then God brought them um, to the to the border of the promised land. And um, I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this question, why did God ask ask Moses to send out the 12 spies? Why did he ask him to send them out? Because there are so many situations in the Bible where God wanted people to just trust blindly, you know? Like, you know, this is where you've got to go. And, you know, just believe me and I'll take you there and I'll bring you through and miracles happen. But in this case, God did not ask them to believe blindly. Now, I find that really interesting. He Said, bring me 12 leaders of Israel. You know, 12 leaders of Israel, right? People who have experience, people who have experience in faith, who have walked with God, who have been, you know, who have ticked certain boxes to become a leader and to lead people. And those 12 people, their job was to go to cross the border and to go and to explore the promised land. And to bring back a report. And 12 of them go in, explore, and they see that the land is good, right? And the message here is that what God wants to give us is good. The promised land is good. And they come back and only two of them say, let's do it. Because they see, they don't just see the good bits, they also see there are giants in the land, And there are fortified and strong cities in the land. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever asked yourself a question, why did God want them to go and see this reality? Because sometimes faith is not just about believing in a blind way and trusting God that he will bring us through. Sometimes in our walk with God, he wants us to believe beyond the problem. And he wants us to see the promise. Now, if you think about your own life, there is a promised land for your own life. There's a promised land for my life. And there is a promised land for your your life. And what is the promised land? The promise of God for your life is that you're going to have a fruitful life and a satisfactory life, right? That's not to be mistaken. Sometimes we misinterpret it. And we think the promised land is about prosperity and an easy life. That's not what it is. The promised land, your promised land for your life, is a fruitful land and a satisfactory life, right? And yet God allows those 12 leaders to see the giants and to see the problems and to see the the difficulties because He wants their faith to go up a level. And He wants them to believe beyond the problem. And I just feel like God is calling us today to believe beyond the problem. You know, when the problem is right in your face, like this. That's all you see is the problem. You can't see beyond. But today, God is calling us to see beyond what's right in our face. He wants us to believe for the promise.
1: Good to see you all. Are you ready for the Word of God today? Some of some of you are. Some of you aren't sure. But we're going to have a we're going to have a good time. I was going to thank Hannah for the Word, but she's not here. It's a great Word. You know, the spies went out, and they all saw the giants. So they all had this very natural reaction but only two of them changed how they felt afterwards. And that's what my sermon's about. It's called It's Only Natural. It's only natural. Now, you know, when things come, we respond in a very human way, because that's what we are. Before we go on, let's pray. God, we just thank you that you made us how we are, and you don't expect us to live as robots, Lord, but as, as human flesh and blood. But we need to get your view on things, Lord. So I just pray today for this word, Lord, that it would help someone today just to be able to, to change the way they're natural into their supernatural. Amen. So it's a week after Easter. I thought I'd get one more. Oh, she's back. Thank you for your word. I, I thought I'd get one more, squeeze one more sermon out of some Easter stuff, just after the resurrection stuff. So turn me to Mark 16, starting at verse 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices that they might come and anoint him very early in the morning on the first day of the week they came to the tomb and the sun had risen. And they said to themselves, Who will roll away the stone for the door of the tomb, the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away and, for it was large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robes sitting on the, the right side and they were alarmed. Now I've got to adjust to the big writing. So it was their custom and tradition to go when somebody had been buried and take all these spices, so they'd obviously been preparing them all, and they were expecting to to find... I mean, they were more worried about somebody rolling the, the stone away than they were about anything else. They were very much in the natural, and they were expecting to find a decaying body, smelling, stinking, after three days but they didn't. But it was only natural for them to respond like that. See, we all have a natural response, but our natural response needs to be be followed by something else. Their natural response got in the way of their expectation. It was a natural to do the traditions. It was a natural to be emotional in the moment in the sorrow and the mourning. But a natural response needs to be changed into supernatural expectation. Luke 24, 9-12 Then they returned from the tomb and told these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other women who were with them told these things to the apostles and their words seemed like idle tales and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves and departed marvelling to himself at what had happened. So here we have these three ladies. They've come back from the tomb. Mary, Mary and Joanna. And the others that were with them, so that's at least five. There's probably more. So five ladies all come and give this report. They'd been to the, retu- the tomb, had an encounter with angels, then rushed back and told everybody what they'd seen and what they'd heard. And the disciples said, "What absolute rubbish! What absolute tosh! What, what are you thinking? What a story!" What nonsense it says in the NIV. What a silly story it says in the easy version. They didn't believe a word of it, even though Jesus had told them in the Gospels, on several occasions, that the Son of Man must die, and in three days he will rise. See, it's only natural for them to think that way. It's their natural reaction when things don't make sense. Their intellect couldn't get round what had happened. Our intellect will keep us from receiving the things of God. It will stop our initial step of faith. Our human reaction to the unbelievable is not to believe. It's our natural reaction. It's only natural to be like that. John 20, 19 and 20. He's skipping around a few scriptures, but you're all right with that, aren't you? Then the same day, at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, that should be an NIV up there, it will say locked in the NIV, and the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. Peace be, peace be with you, he said. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw Jesus. So, disciples, they've been with Jesus for three years. They've had fantastic teaching. They've seen numerous marvelous miracles they had a testimony of these ladies who had come back and shared. And John and another disciple had actually been to the tomb and seen that it was empty and marvelled at what was going on. I'd be absolutely buzzing and excited, wouldn't you? And where were these 11? They were in a room with the door locked because they were fearful. They were fearful. In that situation, they were afraid. Again, it's only natural when we're in situations like that to be fearful. It's a natural occurrence. It's our normal response to threat. If I was to come up and threaten Sam, Anna would jump in front and speak to me in German and I'd run away. But but it's our natural response, isn't it? If we let it, fear will keep us locked in like the disciples and unable to move. It's said that we have two responses to fear, flight, which is running away, or fight. If you you face it, it may beat you you down and if you run from it, you'll always be fearful. When I was at school, it was snowy day and I'd picked up this snowball and the, the snow was getting a little bit hard. And I just launched it up into the air air as high as I could. And it happened to hit one of those. One of those boys, the big guy who was in the swimming club that was V-shaped, you know, and had the skinny waist and the big shoulders. As he was running, it came down, and he went, it's quite a good sound effect, right? Hit him right in the head. And he came after me. And I ran. And I ran, and I ran. And being small and and nippy, I managed to get away from him. But after school, I knew what was going to happen. The crowd gathered. Fight, 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 fight. And I couldn't run anymore. So I knew if I fought back, I'd probably get more of a beating than if I'd have just ran. So I did this. I stood in front of him, fist clenched, he hit, twi- hit me twice and knocked me down. Then I got up, looked him in the eye, and walked away. So I thought that was almost like the story. It was semi-surrender. I was looking the part, but not. Jesus, that's our strategy Jesus gives us. We don't, we don't fight, we don't flight, we surrender. Not to the fear, but we surrender to him. And when we surrender to him, we overcome. John 20, 24, just down the bottom of that page if you're using your Bible. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. He said to them, Unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of his, his nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, the disciples were again inside and Thomas with, was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and, the do- and stood in the midst of them. Hang on a minute. They've already seen Jesus. The doors are still locked. See, fear will have a real grip on you, won't it? they've seen jesus after his resurrection he's spoken to him they've spoken with him they were happy to see him and the doors are still locked because they're scared what's going on but it's just natural because they don't know understand what's going on then he said to thomas reach your finger here look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side do not be unbelieving but believing Thomas must have thought that the disciples were playing some sort of prank or something. All of them were saying the same thing. But he had this doubt. Have you ever been in a situation like that where someone, lots of people agree and you're like, I'm not sure about that. Sounds a bit weird. Sounds a bit strange. He's probably looking for the hidden camera in the corner. I oh, says I've got to do something my hair's in my eyes? Right? This. Like Dictionary def- definition of doubt. A feeling of uncertainty. Not being convinced. A lack of conviction. James one, six and seven, which I don't think I gave you, so just have to trust me. Says this. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Doubt is only natural. Even when many believe, doubt will bring confusion, not clarity. There's a man walking on a mountain, good Christian man, enjoying the weather, the views, enjoying creation. And he's so busy looking around that he slips and falls off the edge. But like in all those good movies, he grabs hold of a branch and he's hanging there. And he's hanging there. (sighs) And he starts crying out, God, God. God, please help me. And God says, I'm here. Just let go and I'll catch you. And he's like, oh, no. And he's hanging there and his arm's getting tired. And he says, God, God, please help me. And God says, I'm here. I am here. Trust me. Just let go and I'll catch you. And he hangs on and goes, Oh. Is there anybody else? <sighs> we often get in situations where our natural takes over and we can't let go. Where trials and troubles come and, and we react naturally, but we can't get past our humanness. It's absolutely fine to react in those ways, to be in tradition like the ladies went and not have the expectation. It's absolutely fine to think before we act but that sometimes gets in the way. It's absolutely fine to be fearful. It's absolutely fine to have doubts but we need to get beyond our initial reactions. It's what we do next after our initial response that really matters. But how I hear you say, well I could give you scriptures and scriptures and scriptures but how? How? Scriptures will give you insight but I want to bring something practical for you, to help you and it involves doing something very, very easy. Looking. First of all, look up. A lot of our time is spent looking down. In fact, some of you are looking down at your phones or your tablets or your Bibles or your books. Even when you're eating a meal, you're looking down. We spend a lot of time looking down. The trouble is when we're looking down, we can only see what's in front of us. Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2 says this I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. From the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, when you look up, what happens? You look up, you see the creation around you, or the creation around you, and you start going, Wow. You see the creation. And then you see the creator. You see your source. You see, when you look up, your breathing changes because you're not like this. So your posture changes. Your countenance then changes because you're thinking, oh, that's better. I can see my source. I know what's going on. Your focus changes from what you're, what's in front of you to him. So firstly, look up. So right now, if you are in a situation, if you're feeling anxiety or anything, look up. Look up and see God. Next one, you can only do this if you've looked up because that gets your initial focus off of what? All these other ones, you can only do them after you've looked up because you've got to get your focus off of what's going on, and on to God. Look in. Look at your heart. Psalm 139, 24, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me to the way everlasting. See, God's not only in creation... And he's everywhere. And he's in here. So when you look in at your heart, you can look into the Holy Spirit. Ask him to search you. Ask him to reveal sin in your life. Ask him to reveal things that you don't know about that's making you anxious. Look in Often we get ourselves in places that we're not supposed to be, where we're fearful and scared because, because we're just not in the right place ourselves, because there's sin, and we end up moving away from God. Look in, examine ourselves through the eyes of the Holy Spirit so that we can see our sin. And after that, look back. Look back to the cross. Look back to the cross of Jesus. John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When we have found sin in our lives, we need to be clean. We should look back to the cross where we can be cleaned and freed. So, so far, we've looked up. We've looked in. We've looked back at God's saving and cleansing provision of Jesus. And if you're still like Thomas, if you're still doubting, and look around. Look around for those that have been struggling and have come through. Revelation 12, says, They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love, not their lives even unto the death. Look for people who have a testimony that can encourage you to believe. You know, God will put people there He knows what you're going through. He's not going to leave you on your own. Look for people that have a testimony that can encourage you to believe, a testimony to help you through. And if you don't think you're going through anything, then look for someone that you can testify to. That's why we gather together as well, not just for God, not just to be a family, not just to worship, but because we have something to give to somebody else when we come. So, tradition will keep you in the past and stop your expectation. Your intellect will stop your next step and will stop you from knowing the mind of Christ. Fear will keep you locked in and debilitated. And doubt will confuse you and keep you confused. But when we look in, look up, look in, look back, and look around, then we can look forward to our destiny and our calling and everything that God has for us. So, let's stand. If you can stand, stand. If you can't, look up. I want us all to look up and see our God and see our maker and then when you've done that just take some time to look in because I want you to leave here changed. I want you to leave here different and when you've done that look back at the cross. Look back at the cross and when we've finished here if you're still doubting Look for someone. Share it with someone. Share it with Sam if you're you're struggling. Share it with with me or somebody else. Share it with someone. Don't walk out with it. And then we can bring a testimony to release. And finally, right now, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know what your destiny is, if you don't know that there's a heaven to have and a hell to have, to run away from. If you don't know that you can focus on your destiny and your calling, again, make it known to someone. If you want to receive Jesus as your saviour, come speak to us. We'll help you on your first steps. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that you make us flesh and blood. And so often we get our reactions wrong. And so often our reactions are very human and that's what we should be, Lord. But Father, help us to take our eyes off of the natural after and switch it to the supernatural, Lord Jesus. Because when the supernatural is here, when we can see what God can do, when we can see what you can do, Lord, then things change. Then faith arises. Then hope comes. So, Father God, I pray today you'd bring hope to the hopeless Lord. You'd let faith arise and let our enemies be scattered, Lord Jesus. And let you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.